This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Not only is he our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, he is now a new voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And if you didn't see him on MLB Network doing the interview, I did. Fantastic job, you know, talking about, of course, you've been on MLB Network for a long time, but now you're, it's like you're the official guy. You're an official voter. 10 years, 10 years. I got my, I got my, uh, I guess got my print ballot in the mail. It looks like nice. it was also made 10 years ago. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, no, I think it, I love how passionate people are about it. Uh, I also hate how passionate people are about it because uh, it is the only thing that I've ever written that has asked, that has made people tell me to go kill myself. So, <laughs> it wasn't the sticky stuff. No, no, it was uh, it was a, it was an argument for Barry Bonds going into the hall of fame. That was, that was my first foray into uh how passionate people are about the hall of fame which is cool i understand it uh but i also think that there's a lot of gray area here that uh you know we have to talk about i mean uh you know i think the sticky stuff thing has actually been really interesting for me because it was a real eye-opening experience to how much cheating is going on in baseball and um how it really takes a concerted effort from major league baseball, from the commissioner's office to stop any sort of cheating. You know, uh, they, they sent out memos. Everyone knew that, it, that sticky stuff was cheating. They sent out memos. They said, this year, we're going to do something about it. Oh, you guys better watch out this year. We're going to do something about it. And it took until umpires were actually fondling pitchers on the mound for us to see any change in, in pitch in spin rate. And I, I see that as being relevant to, Carlos Beltran's uh, candidacy for the Hall of Fame, Gary Sheffield's candidacy, all these sort of fringe, uh, these people that were involved in things where baseball's enforcement was changing around them. You know, baseball's enforcement of this, the steroid era changed during Gary Sheffield's career. Baseball's enforcement of how uh, they, they looked at sign stealing changed uh, during Carlos Beltran's career. So uh, I, I kind of look at those moments and, and th those players in particular are stuck in places where it's, it's difficult to talk about it. I mean, I understand that people would be mad if I vote for Gary Sheffield or Carlos Beltran, but um, they're, they're a little different for me than like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez, where their failed tests and their things were much were in a different time. You know, baseball had said, we have an enforcement policy. This is what it is. You broke the rules and you knew there would be consequences. 
Yeah, I found your interview to be interesting, you know, because Brian Kenny didn't agree with you on quite a bit, which I thought would made for good television. That's what we're all about, right? We want good entertainment. I want to be entertained when I watch MLB Network or when I listen or watch A's cast. I want to be entertained. And this is the very tough part, and it's going to be here for a while. It's going to be, and as you said in the interview, you know, I'm not a, why, why do I have to be the detective? Like, you, I think you said you're a sleuth, I think is what you called yourself. It's yeah. like, you know, why do I have to decipher, you know, Gary Sheffield from Alex Rodriguez, from Jeff Bagwell and Mike Piazza? I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I don't know. It's like, why it's, is Jeff Bagwell the clean one? He was huge, you know? And, and dude, like, do people not understand how steroids work? Like, it doesn't always make you huge. There were pitchers doing it. There are Bartolo Cologne. There, there are also lean people. There are lean people that do steroids. You know, like there are people that you know win sprinting competitions or you know are are, are swimmers. You know, bicyclers are doing steroids. Have you ever looked Blood at doping, a professional? Yeah. Have you ever looked at a professional bicycler and be like, oh yeah, that guy's on steroids? You know. Yes, their thighs are humongous, but it's hard to – it's not easy. You can't just look at someone and say, that guy did steroids. Bartolo Colon, if you lined up everybody and said, take your shirt off, and said, you have to bet your life on picking one of these guys who you know is not on PEDs. <laughs> All right? 25 guys, everybody take their shirt off. Everybody's different sizes, but if the, if someone had to say pick – and let me tell you something – Bartolo Colon's gut was so big. It was a professional boiler. It was beautiful. Oh my God. It was beautiful. I, 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 I have seen it with a shirt on. Yeah, you know what I'm life. talking about. It's like, <laughs> as a man, you don't want to, like, stand around and watch guys without their shirts off, but you're like, <laughs> right? right? If, you, if someone had to bet on that A's team, all 25 guys bet your life, who do you think's not on PEDs? You would have chose Bartolo Colon, and guess what? He was the one on PEDs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's just it puts us in an awful position. And and I wasn't even in the in the clubhouse for a lot of that, you know? So it's kind of a weird spot for me to 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 bet on it. And then on top of that, like, you know, the commissioner who was in charge of the steroid era is in the hall of fame. So there is some complicit, like the like baseball was somehow complicit in this, you know. I'm not just willing to be like, oh, I mean th- I understand. Kenny said they knew it was against the rules and they did it anyway, I guess. But there wasn't a testing policy. So baseball was kind of like, don't do it. What are we going to do about it? Nothing. It was a thing. I mean, your best argument and Brian didn't bring this up. Your best argument is to have anabolic steroids on you is illegal. You're not allowed to. If it's not, if you don't get, and you're not even going to get a prescription for it, but you're not allowed to be having, as guys have been popped with it in their cars with needles and stuff or at the gym, you're not allowed to legally have anabolic. So it's like, it's illegal, but baseball didn't test for it. I mean, it's so murky. But, but, but then, I mean, then, then let's, I mean, do we want to get into it? Because like, there's, I'm sure there's a, the morals clause. That's the problem. The morals clause, there is a morals clause in the vote. We're supposed to consider this, right? But everyone has a different sense of morals. And if we're going to get into it, there are people who've beaten their wives, you know, people, you know, DUIs, street drugs, street, like there's all sorts of stuff in there. There's, it's not, the hall of fame is not full of, 
beautiful people that are all like yeah. they've all they all did it exactly the right way. In fact, there are people in the Hall of Fame who are on PDs. I'm sure of it. I'm just guessing from the number, you know, <laughs> like the, for, for the percentage of people and the people who are in there. So uh, so I, I don't really love doing the, the morals bit. And the last bit for me, and I didn't get into this, Brian, and I just think this is interesting, is to me, the Hall of Fame is a museum. And I understand that it's difficult to have this conversation with younger people. And that was why somebody who was really mad at me about Barry Bonds, would you tell your child to be like Barry Bonds? And I just, I have children and it's actually easy to talk to them. You just have to talk. You just have to say it. You just have to talk about it. Right. We've gone to museums. Like I went to MoMA with my kids. Yes, son. That is what you think it is. <laughs> that is the body part you think it is. Right. You know, it's like, you know, like we can have these conversations. So to me, the Hall of Fame is a museum. Put the people in the museum. And if you want to put something on their plaque that says was indicted in the Balco, was this, this happened. If you want to put some information on there, put some information on there and let the record speak for itself. No doubt. You know what I mean? It's a museum of history so then, and all the history. So if it's a museum of history and you're there with your kid and the kid goes, wow, Barry Bonds, look at all these numbers. He was the greatest. You say, read on on that plaque, son. Well, you know, and, it and, wasn't all good. And I don't agree with that argument. As someone who's been to the Baseball Hall of Fame three times, the argument that people have that, well, wait a minute. You can have their stuff in the other parts, you know, on the timeline. and they, No, 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 no. You have to tell the – just having Barry Bonds' jersey on the timeline doesn't tell the history of Barry Bonds in baseball. Well, that's a – you, yeah, need to tell the, you need to tell the history Daddy, of the game. Why is the best hitter in baseball history not in this room? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's like you want you don't go to a World War II or the and I've been to the World War One Museum in Kansas City. It's fabulous. You don't go to that. You don't go to these different Smithsonian's and different museums and not have the bad. The bad's got to right. be in there too because that tells the history. So, but on Sunday. Uh, we're getting to San Diego on Monday. When are you getting there? I'm getting there Sunday. All right. When you're there on Sunday, you land in San Diego. Will we have new Hall of Famers from this veterans class? It takes, you know, when you get that smaller group together, the 75% thing is really rough. You know, that like one person saying no or yes is, is so I think, I think maybe no, you know, because you know, in some ways, some of these players are going to be harder on Barry Bonds than some of the writers. So, you know, I, I kind of, I, I kind of say no, but uh, if it is a yes, it's not Barry and Roger. I don't no, know. no. I got one guy who I think is a for sure. Who's that? Fred McGriff. You're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to have Paul Beeston on that. One of the 16 who was the executive when Fred was there with the blue Jays. Yeah, and you got Maddox, and you got Chipper Jones. So he's got three uh, yeses right out of the gate. Yeah, and and he and he fits that sort of. Did Harold Baines come in off the off yes. that or uh, yes? Yeah, he fits that sort of. Was a veteran around a long time, like. But his numbers, players, Brian Kenny did. With him. Brian Kenny did today on MLB Now. His number, his first fifteen years in the big leagues. Him and Bonds are like almost neck and neck on everything, except postseason where Fred McGriff was a monster and Bonds was a choke job. Fred McGriff was one of the – he was one of the main 
power hitters year after year after year, always in the MVP balloting, one of the best hitters in that, and pretty good defensively. Yeah, think back. Fred, I mean, Fred McGriff, if, if there's no strike, Fred McGriff has over 500 home runs. Yeah, and he reminds me a little bit of the Rafael Palmero, you know, without the steroid part of it, where he was just excellent every year, hit for average, hit for power, sweet stroke, like, you know, was a was a really good player, uh, was a a, a, a a playoff player, too, you know, like was a guy in the postseason every year, so... Uh, yeah, I could I could see that it would be that kind of player where, you know, uh, the players just feel like he was a he was a, you know, kind of a, a good guy. And like, I just don't you know, the players probably hated Barry as much as anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> he had like three friends. It was Benia, Mike Devereaux, and there was somebody else. There was like three friends in the game and that was it. Um, yeah. We just had Chris Rose on and Chris Rose is a broadcaster and is definitely about the entertainment and TV side of things and now doing the podcast. So I asked him this question. He wasn't into it. I think I'm going to ask you the same question. I think I'm going to get a different response. We're going to the winter meetings, and there's quite a few guys that we're talking big numbers and certain years, and looking at their ages is interesting. So you're looking at maybe, I don't know, eight to ten years for Aaron Judge, whatever you're believing out there. That's paying him into his 40s. Verlander trying to get three years. He's at 39 now. DeGrom trying to get X amount of years. He's going to be 30. He's 35, about to be 36. Uh, We got older guys looking for big money and guaranteed years. How do you feel about that? You know, sometimes it's the 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 price of admission um, that you just know you're going to have these guys at the end when you're paying them and they're either not on the roster. You know, I think the worst case scenario is kind of like the Eric Hosmer situation where you pay like a large dollar amount for a guy that isn't worth that early on in the deal and it's not because of injury or age you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like <laughs> he's just not worth it like, he's just not worth it. so so then you're like oh man we have like the the padres for like three four years have been like what do we do with this contract you know they finally paid to get rid of him you know 43 um, million the padres are pay or at least it was last year i don't know what this year is no, no, it's going to be this year. They're going to pay $43 million, or maybe it's the overall, whatever it is. $43 million is going from the Padres' bank account to the Red Sox' bank account for Eric Hosmer. That's crazy. It is crazy, but, you know, the the what's what would have been better for the Padres is if you've been hurt a lot. Now, the, re- the, reason, the reason this makes sense to me is that there's unlimited injured list spots, you know, for a team. You can have as many injured list spots as you want. So if the person is good when they play, but is just hurt a lot, which is what happens with older guys, especially older pitchers, I think that's actually okay. Especially if you have an okay farm system where you bring somebody up and you've got a pretty good guy for a while. And then what you're hoping is that Jacob deGrom is healthy in November. 
in October. It will be November by then. We'll be playing it in December pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas Day. It's game four of the World Series. Yeah. So so uh, I think the play for a lot of these big teams like the Dodgers and Yankees is, you know, we're, we're trying to bring our depth up. That's why we pay a, a million and a half dollars for Shelby Miller because we want to just we want to have the bottom of our roster has to be good, too. But we're also going to pay for somebody who might be hurt near the end of his career, but he'll still be good when he's in. That's why you do it for superstars. You don't give the middle of the order guys too many years. So uh, you, you like give it DeGrom, Verlander, whatever they want, because they'll probably be good or hurt. Uh, and so I, that's how I make, make it make sense to me when, when you talk about years and, and stuff like that. But you just don't want to get stuck giving a middle guy big money. That's the one thing you don't want to do. All right, the one position that we are looking at that it's loaded again, it's shortstop. And you're looking around and you're saying, well, do I want Dansby? Do I want Turner? Correa is so interesting to me because you you would have thought this had got no way Astros would have ever let him go, but they did. Xander Bogarts, oh, it, it's he'll never play for the Red Sox again. That's what's being reported now. It's like, okay, stop. I mean, we heard that with Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. How'd that work out? Uh, uh, Willie Adamas supposedly is available with the Brewers. I mean, pick a shortstop. They're, they're, they're all over the place. Uh, are we going into San Diego going – I don't know where they're going to be, but it's going to be interesting. They'll all, they're all going to make out really well. Yeah, they are. But the, the thing that's so perilous about buying a shortstop on the market is uh, old shortstops don't really exist anymore. You know, uh, last year there were two, two or three shortstops. I think Elvis Andrews uh, and Brandon Crawford yeah. were the only ones over 30. That's right? it? Yeah. So – 30 is a demarcation line. Guess what? Correa is 28. Yeah. Uh, I think you got 29 on Xander and the other two are 30. So you have to, on some level, think about where are they going to play next? So when I was looking through these guys and I, and I looked through their arms, their, their legs, power, and their, and their plate skills. And um, the, none of them are, uh, are that fast. Uh, Trey Turner is, second fastest shortstop and he's like top five in baseball so he's pretty fast he's he can play outfield guy. exactly that's that may be wh- why i like him the best because he can play shortstop but he's the only one i think of the four that can play center oh. afterwards you know what it kind of sounds like running backs in the nfl once you hit yeah. 30 you're done you know the days of marcus allen being 36 and running the rock uh, that that's not happening. So, okay, so yeah. let's play this game. Correa, you would say, size-wise, gets older, plays third, right? Plays third. I think Xander plays third. Swanson plays second, maybe. Uh, that's why I also looked at the arm. Dansby Swanson had the 48th strongest arm at shortstop last year out of 50. He's the modern-day David Eckstein? Yeah, I, I, and you know what's changing next year? First base is going to be bigger, right? Well, you so, said it's what? What did you say? It's a medium or large pizza box? Yeah. So bang bang plays are even bang banger. So you never know, thought you about not, that. You may not think arm strength is that important, but think about how many bang bang plays there are at first. There That's a lot, a lot more. That could be a lot. We, we with the, with the extra bases, we've thought everything about stolen bases, right? For the extra yeah. bases. 
There's and some we, singles in there, too. There may be a lot of singles, especially with replay, and you got to go back. Because umpires are so used to calling it also by the sound of, uh-huh. of the guy hitting the bag, and they're just used to the timing. Now that sound's going to come quicker. We may have a lot more replays, and we may have a lot more – we may have a lot more infield hits, something to check. The The other thing about uh, the ages is with Correa being 28, maybe you get a year or two more of him at short. So, you know, I really like uh, uh, Correa, I think, overall the best uh, as a bat and the fact that he's a little bit younger. Um, you know, in terms of uh, power, Correa is the best option of the bunch. In terms of patience at the plate, Correa is the best option of the bunch. So I think his bat alone is the best. I think Treya's overall athleticism is 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 better than his. So those are my two favorite. I'm a little afraid that Dansby gets big money, but is more of a middle player. So I think there's a bit of a trap there where people will say, oh, well, I'm not spending the 250 it took to get Trey or the 300 or whatever it took to trade Trey. I'm only spending 175 to get Dansby. Well, what if he ends up being your second baseman, you know, two years from now and you're you're paying, you know, a lot for an okay second baseman in three years, four this, years? This takes me back to my rule at this time of the year, and you can tell me whether I'm full of it or not. But this always scares me. When the team that has you and the team that loves you goes, eh, and I'm thinking about that, like, if the Mets love DeGrom so much, you wouldn't even allow him to be talking to these other teams. But we'll see. Maybe he is back with the Mets. Maybe he's not. All of a sudden, supposedly the Rays are involved. Let's just see. Rays, Rangers, whatever. Dansby, you think about him in Atlanta. They've gone out and signed everybody else. They haven't everybody, signed. Every, yeah, everybody else is under contract for 10 years. <laughs> Look at the Astros. The Astros said bye-bye to Garrett Cole. They said bye-bye to Carlos Correa. They just won a World Series. So there's something about the team that has you allows Research. you to leave they know you better than anybody else that always worries me that's there's research that confirms your what you're saying like is there that yeah there's research See, by matt Sports. and cody says that i never use research ah uh, well you didn't you just came up with this one but you were right <laughs> <laughs> but uh there's research that shows that teams that uh that players that stay with their own teams do better and i think it does have to do i think it actually has to do with a lot of the softer science parts where it's like, you see how hard this guy works every day. You know, it's harder for a scout to like sit in on a, you know, a series and and it's kind of hard. Like, you know, teams will even call writers sometimes and be like, Hey, you know, how is this guy in the clubhouse? Well, the writer then is like, Oh, well, he was mean to me. So I don't like him whatever, you know, (laughs) like, you know, everyone has their own like scouting makeup is very difficult. The best way to scout makeup, is to be around a guy for three, four, five years, you know? Yes. Then you really know, like, oh, yeah, that guy's a dick to reporters, but he works hard, you know? You know, the that's other guy. That's what gets it. me about Correa. Like, Correa really showed himself. I don't know if you got to see it. It's You can find it on YouTube. But when they brought in Correa to be on TBS, and he sat there and talked about money, and he talked about the numbers that get you money. And then he talked about how he tells the younger players, this is what you should focus on because this is what front offices focus on and this is how you get paid. It was money, money, money. And I think of two things that kind of, he's not always healthy 
and he's so money motivated. And those two things just make me think, eh, is that why we haven't seen anybody just go? I mean, because years ago you would have thought Carlos Correa is on the market at that age. I'm signing him right now. I You would have thought everybody would have been all in. Well, I mean, I think there's also some, there's just some concerns with injury and body size. Like you're saying, can he be shortstop for how long and so on and so forth? Um, he, his arm strength uh, was actually the best of the group, but his legs are the, he's the slowest of the, of the group. Um, but, but th- there's a flip side to that. Cause I, I know a couple players that fit this mold that you're talking about. Um, and I know that for Correa and for this other player I'm thinking of, um, it's like other players love them. And, um, it actually can be useful in the clubhouse because they become you know, sort of technology and data adapters. And they tell the young kids, yeah, maybe the motivation is money, but it is work. And they're all trying to make money. And what they end up, what ends up happening is they are provide leadership where it's actually good for the team. Like other players then start being like, Oh, maybe I should try out that technology that the Carlos Correa is using. He just told me, that can make me better in a way that I'll get a better contract later. You know, like the end result is still the players around them get better. Like it's weird leadership. Yes, it's Kinda. like money based, it can, but, it but can the players fl- around them get better. It can flip on you because if if your goal in life and all these different, I've been reading a lot this off season about the brain, the human mind and how to achieve. And Once you've reached your goal, a lot of people don't keep getting better. And if this goal of yours is always just money motivated and you end up signing this big deal and now money is not the motivator anymore and now we hit those years where you're 33, 34, 35, 36 and the motivation that got you to be great was always the money, you know, that's where, that's where yes, I hear what you're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to make money. That means I want to be better. I want to use this technology. I want to use this data and everything. That, that, okay, that can be. But will that always motivate you for your entire career to be the best you possibly can be? Because we we all know the old fat and happy changes people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of these guys also then start caring about their Hall of Fame credentials and their place in the game. And, like, you know, they do have a different – it shifts to a different level. I mean, you can see somebody like Nolan Arenado – where you know he was motivated to get a big contract but once he got into st louis and they were winning like he he made major changes to his swing and his approach this year pulled more fly balls than he had ever pulled in his career uh and had really you know he looks now his whole career trajectory was kind of coming down it's like back up to another level like definitely he was like maybe fringe hall of fame ish and now he looks like he's on a hall of fame kind of trajectory so people can kind of adjust a little bit and be like okay now now i've got the big money now i care about making the hall of fame or whatever it is so you know i i i don't know but i i will say that the the research does suggest that um that teams get their best look at uh, the, the team that had the player gets the best look at the player uh and they do get they do get to offer them money right like they do get to you know they they do get to have a long window of, of, of negotiation, a longer window of negotiation than teams on the free agent market. do. When are we talking to Eno uh, at the winter meetings? Do you know the date? What, what is the date, Cody? Uh, I told Eno we talk about it, but I mean, whenever he's available. Cause I, I want, I want, I want Eno to make a big, bad, bold prediction right now. And then we see if it comes true and shower him with greatness while we're in San Diego. So, let, can you do Wednesday? 
Um, I'm flying on Wednesday, so Tuesday's better. All right, Tuesday better. All right. Do you have anything in your crystal ball so we can show what a genius you are? Do you think will happen at the winter meetings before you come on with us? None of the shortstops sign. And the first big signing will be uh, a starting pitcher. So it would be Verlander or DeGrom. Before Judge. Yeah. Wow. So you're talking four shortstops and Judge, right? So the shortstops, I think there's a lot of setting the market, right? Yeah. One guy has to sign, and then everyone's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Like, whoever's the number one shortstop signs, and then you'll, like, in the next three, two weeks, you'll be like, bop, 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 the rest of the shortstops. Because they'll be like, oh, I'm not going to get more than him. You know what I mean? Like, I like they'll be it, like yeah. a setting the market. Aaron Judge is setting the market for everybody. Like, he's the – so he's going to wait the longest. He just wants the biggest number. He's going to wait the longest. So I like so, it. I like it. So here you have star shortstops, a guy coming off one of the greatest years in the history of baseball. You would think in normal business times, I'm going after these guys, right? No, no, no. The old pitchers will sign first. I think so. I think so. Also, like we've it. seen a pretty good track record with uh, with old starting pitchers recently. They've been pretty good. Max Scherzer has been really good into late into his career. Um, you know, Adam Wainwright's been really good. Like, like we've had really good old starting pitchers. So I, I kind of feel like, and, and the market has been set for them last year, you know, Max Scherzer made like, it's making like 40 million a year. So if you want Jacob DeGrom or Justin Verlander, you pay, pony up 320, 330, you know, 450, whatever it is, 160. Like that's, that's what's, they don't need to wait around. Like Carlos Rodon is not going to set the market for Jacob DeGrom, you know? So I think that they're a separate market. So I think, yeah, I think DeGrom or Verlander were signed first. Well, I said this earlier in the show. I, 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 I used to believe everything I read on the internet and Twitter. Anything that was on there I thought was gospel until this. The Rays are going to sign DeGrom. <laughs> now I don't believe everything. There is no way in hell next year at the Coliseum, you know, you and I are there and we're writing Rays starting pitcher Jacob DeGrom in our scorebook. There's no way that happens. I can't. I can't say that. I do. They're always involved with any player that like says maybe one year is okay. I think that's the, that's what they're like. Oh, one year. Yeah, we can give you one. But I. Like we've seen in the past, their biggest one-year outlays are like twelve million to fifteen million. You know, so just uh, like maybe they could have gotten Abreu if the market had gotten really bad for Abreu. Maybe that Josh Bell they could get for one year and fifteen million, but they're not. They're not. I don't think they're going one twenty-five, one thirty, one thirty-five. And I think even to get Degrom on a one-year deal, it would be it would have to get close to that Scherzer forty. You know, there's just no way the Rays are putting out one and thirty for anybody. Play the man. His sponsorship. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. He's our national baseball columnist from The Athletic. I hope everybody, they had a great Black Friday deal. I mean, you basically got The Athletic for nothing. You should get on. It's the best journalism in sports, no question. Fieldwork Brewing. Eno, fabulous. We'll see you in San Diego. See you in San Diego. That is our man, Eno Saris. Great once again. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 